0: Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. I am riding off the high that was this weekend's AKA Battle. This was this was Swiss Beats versus Timbaland. This was Erica Badu versus Jill Scott. This was Teddy Riley versus Babyface. This was The Dream versus Sean Garrett.
1: I mean, this was two huge names. <laughs> Eric. Yeah. And Jeff. <laughs> finally. Fin- finally in the same... People have been asking for so long, how do we get... Eric versus Jeff. They were tired of Eric and Jeff.
0: Yeah. Now I want, want
1: Eric versus Jeff. They were like, you know, we've seen
0: Eric versus Ludacris. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think this this was your idea. So mm-hmm. congratulations for... Uh, yeah, I guess I was the winner then. <laughs> d- dreaming this up mm-hmm. and uh, and creating it and putting it out into the, the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and shout out to all the people who joined us. This was for our Patreon users, our Patreon family, our Patreon subscribers. Yeah. This was a chance for us to give back because what Patreon is, is, is a, uh, a method of, of supporting things you like. Yeah. And uh, apparently there's a lot of people who like what we're doing right here. Which is dope. Which is really awesome. And, and Actually, shout out to well, all you guys. Before
1: that, I, I want to shout out um, a few of our more recent subscribers just because... Um, that's what we do. That's what we do. We, we've shouted everybody else out, so now these new people. I want to shout out Olivia Martin. I want to shout out Ahmad Dennis. Emily O'Connor, Darren Jones, James McRae, and Valerie Carrington. Those are all people who recently joined. The yesterday, yesterday. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Shout out to all you guys. We we really appreciate
0: that. Um, I'm so happy that they were around to join in this A.K.A. battle.
1: Yeah, How I, did... I, I want to say so. Uh, Ahmad Dennis gave a sizable amount, yes. and so I, when people give a sizable amount, I ask them for uh their T-shirt size, their address, and their phone number. Yeah, and I FaceTime them. Just yeah. And, well, well, as a surprise No longer a surprise Yeah, I know, I gave it away <laughs> But that being said, I FaceTimed a mod. He was on the job, he was wearing his N95 mask it's Essential work doing, I don't know where he was working, it didn't seem like a hospital But he was somewhere Yeah, he had he like on a the saw job. in his hand or something and, no, <laughs> Yeah, it was a saw He had some sort of tool in his hand uh, He was doing essential work He was and, cutting something open and you Hopefully su- it wasn't a body You surprised him I surprised him, and he was like, this is great, I'm working <laughs> Talk to you later. I, I do want to say this. Um, mm-hmm. People have
0: been so generous, whether it's $2 a month, $3 a month, all the way up to a lot of money. $500,000. A month. Yep. And um, that that money is going right back into all the good work that you guys expect from us that we want to put out there and that we envision moving forward. Yes. Um, we have recently uh, adapted our
1: tiers over at yeah, uh, I mean, Patreon.com. I- edited. Edited is the word. Edited them. Uh, so, I mean, like, you know, we had these these ideas of what our Patreon could be, but, you know, in a in a pre-COVID world, they made sense. Yeah. Now they didn't. You right. know, we're not going to invite people over to our apartment. Nope. We're not going to be sending out things as much as we wanted to. You know, there were, there were some things that needed to be uh, redone. But right. Right. That being said. Yes. Now it's perfect. We're back. Mm-hmm. We're back. Patreon.com slash It's The Real. But while we're here, we should... Give people like a little taste of what uh, some of the AKAs that we shouted out during our AKA battle. Okay. It was it was 30 of Rams. our best yeah. AKAs. Mm-hmm. Stuff that we have cataloged
0: through the years. For the last 10 years, we have something like four or 500 of these things each. Mm-hmm. We narrowed it down to yep. our top 30. We even gave people some that we weren't going to use. I expected some from you. You expected some from me. Uh, there was strategy involved. Uh, there was no strategy involved, at least for me. I, I read I, them basically top to bottom. I definitely had strategy. And that's why you won? But you wanted to, um, well, in some people's eyes, I won. Okay, you don't have to make me feel better. Just No, but I do want to say this real quick. Uh, we took a walk afterwards. We were like, that was that was great. We walked out of here feeling really good. And and you said to me, you were like, yo, that was the best possible outcome. Like, that it was so even Mm -hmm. that it was hard to tell who won, or it wasn't a blowout, because if it was a blowout, that would be really bad. If it was 29 to 1, that would (laughs) have been a real bummer. (laughs) Yeah, honestly. And this shows, you know, we both come at this with with our own uh, voice and our own creativity and uh, our own sense of humor. And you see that in each thing. I think it was a joy for people to relive these, hear the stories behind them, and and vote and be a part of this. So, again, shout out to everybody who was there. I think
1: I could fucking take you next time.
0: We'll have to see. Maybe we'll do it on Instagram. Yeah, a real versus. But uh, you wanted to you wanted to go over some of these, uh, just some of our favorites. Twenty nine to one. That's what it's going to be next. <laughs> uh, I got a kick out of uh, out of you know going through these and finding ones that I was like, oh yeah, that was really great. You know, I find that a whole bunch of mine, <laughs> for whatever reason, are like math or like science. Hmm. You know, I had one. Where it was, Yo It Up, It's Eric, a.k.a. 25,000 Miles, a.k.a. If I Ruled the World. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had ones that were like, uh, Yo It Up, It's Eric, a.k.a. Let me see if I can find this here. Um, Because there's so many to remember. Yo It Up, It's Eric, a.k.a. Busting Slugs, a.k.a. Sodium Chloride. Really good. Yeah. Um, And then you have ones, you know, this is the one that I finished off with. I, I had two... Closing rounds, I was like, this one's gonna like just like destroy. I was like, yo, what up? It's Eric, aka Paul Revere, aka Soldier Boy Tellum. So good. That was one where it was like, you know, you want to make it performative too. Yeah. So you slow it down. It's like being in in a uh It was like a a, a rap battle. You know? And then so I had that one, and then my last one that I that I pulled out, I was like, this is for all the true Game of Thrones fans and fanatics out there. Yo It Up, It's Eric, a.k.a. The Night King, a.k.a. Iced Out the Watch. And that was another performative one. Yeah. And I walked off after that, and that that felt, like, really good. Anyway, those are some of my favorites. Uh, I just, you know, uh, Lumberjack Championship, a.k.a. Rolling Trees. Uh, Fondue, a.k.a. Dipset. Trap or Die, a.k.a. The Oregon Trail. Um, you know, uh... Man, whipping Farns, a.k.a. Indiana Jones. Uh, first of the month, a.k.a. last time that I checked. So, a, a lot of that.
1: How about you? Uh, I have Yo What Up It's Jeff, a.k.a. Still Getting Cake, a.k.a. Dylon, 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 Dylon. Fan favorite. Yo What Up It's Jeff, a.k.a. Riding on 16s, a.k.a. R. Kelly. Yo What Up It's Jeff, <laughs> a.k.a. Gimme little Head, a.k.a. Zika Virus. Yeah. Yo, what up is Jeff, a.k.a. Sammy Davis Jr., a.k.a. Son of Sam. I had forgotten about that one. Really, really funny one. Um, yo, what up is Jeff, a.k.a. Uchiwali, Zerbiak, a.k.a. Player of the Year. Yep. Heard that a bunch. Yeah. Uh, yo, what up is Jeff, a.k.a. Titty Boy, a.k.a. T-shirt in the pool. Great one. Great one. Um, I think it was cool, too, that we had cataloged all
0: these things that morning. Yeah. And then you took screenshots of the document. Yeah. And gave them to the internet. It was just like, yo... Here's yeah,
1: this. Here's this. And people were like... Enjoy. Yo, what oh. up is Jeff, aka Fuck the Frail Shit, aka Anna Nicole Smith. And that's one that people were like, yo, if you finish with that... Yeah, and I did.
0: You well, could walk off this stage. But it was, it was a tough competition. It was great.
1: Yeah. It was um, great. Yo, what up is Jeff, aka Motherfucker, aka Vice President Mike Pence. Right, right, right. Yo, what up is Jeff, aka Getting Deep in That Hole, aka Searching for Baby Jessica. <laughs> um. Yeah, there were a bunch. There were yeah, a bunch. There were there were a bunch, absolutely.
0: Uh, Ones we didn't get to use... Again, we have like 400, 500, so many of these things, and we're going to bring them back. Do like a, an Instagram versus yeah. uh, version of this. Again, for all of our Patreon users, there will be specific things for you that we will not duplicate that won't be like for mass consumption. Just for our friends, our family, our our true supporters, our contributors, our our friends yeah. over at Patreon.com/slash It's Three L Jeff on the podcast today. On the podcast today is Fadia Cater. Okay, so Fadia Cater, people know her from Instagram. She is uh, basically the uh, the artist whisperer. She is the one who uh, is in contact. You hear her voice in the background of the uh, Teddy Riley and Babyface. Uh, versus, you know, you know her history, uh, working at Def Jam and Complex, and the parties that she started down in Atlanta. She's a wonderful human being, an amazing chef, and uh, we talked to her about community. We talked to her about obviously Instagram's uh, success and um, the need for that community these days and we talked to her about like really getting her start in atlanta and moving her way up to new york it's a really really fun conversation
1: yes also paul wall yo
0: i you know i don't know how many guests we've had so far during hundred, this run A 100 and something uh, it's been like 130 40 something i think whatever but but this might be the most excited that i think either one of us was because it's paul wall by the way so nice. Nicest guy. So is his team. Shout out to Jeremy Carellis for putting the play in motion. Yep. Um, but shout out to Goo. Shout out to Paul. Man, this is one of those where it's like I, I, 20 minutes was not enough. Yeah. You know, we, have to
1: do, we have to do a full episode.
0: And we can also call him back regularly. Yeah, like, whatever. He has There's no f- rules. He has a new project coming up with Lil' Kiki. He's, he's doing a lot of stuff. And, uh, man, his energy is just tremendous.
1: Finally, we had Ben Dietrich on the podcast. Now, I want to say, Ben Dietrich i have invited on the podcast more times than he's been on this is his first time yeah (laughs) but he's sort of like the matt damon of jimmy Jimmy kimmel Kimmel, because it's been like three or four times when i'm being like oh and then rescinded the invite by and i i i apologize to ben but you don't do it in a mean way no but and i I don't want ben to think that it's like about him and i don't want ben to think that it happens to anybody else it is just (laughs) our thing you want to make him feel special where it's it's like it's just happened like jim jones came around and it was the like same day Ben we gotta we gotta yeah. bump you yeah. it, it was at the exact same time he could only do it during ben's time i'm so sorry ben but i'm glad that we were able to make this <laughs> conversation happen we talked to ben about uh, uh basketball we talked to him about um ti we talked to him about french montana french montana okay so it's it's a lot of stuff it's really fun
0: again ben will be back um or he won't or he won't <laughs> yeah i don't know if he's even gonna accept the invitation next time but it was very nice that he accepted it this time this is a really fun episode jeff right now we're gonna call out to los angeles and talk to our friend fadia cater fadia what up? Uh, how are you
2: hello. i'm good how are you guys
0: good thank you we're good fadia we have to get to the most important news of the day and there's a lot to talk about but you got your hair cut by your wonderful husband mario can you please tell us about the thought that went into this whether you were scared and how it ultimately turned out
2: <laughs> um i stepped out the shower and i was like i am so tired of trying to do something with this hair so
1: <laughs> let me make mario it. do it <laughs> yeah
2: and i was like mario i really need help cutting my hair right <laughs> now. And- you know, I guess it's based on trust. well, <laughs> yeah. a We're, lot of freaking trust.
0: When you when you guys exchanged vows, did you ever think that this was going to end up with Mario cutting your own hair?
2: Never. <laughs> ever. No. Uh, and I, I think honestly, I don't think he would even ever let me touch his hair.
1: Oh really? And
2: cut it. No. So this is all
1: one sided. Yeah, it's not it's what
2: what's mine
0: is yours your and hair. what's yours is mine. Uh, there it is. <laughs> um. And how did he do?
2: He did great. Oh, well, uh, there we go.
1: Wait, is he in the room? <laughs> yeah.
2: He is in the room.
1: Right, so... Yeah, uh, yeah, blink twice.
2: <laughs> blink twice, Mario. You feel like you're in danger.
0: Um, uh, Fadi- well, what I have to realize is that I'm an artist. Right. You know? yeah. <laughs> when she asked me to cut her hair, I just looked at it like second grade arts and crafts. All right. Arts Pull out the crafts. scissors. Here we go.
2: <laughs> I mean we Loki did use the arts and crafts scissors though.
0: I love this. <laughs> Wait, how much instruction did you have to give Mario before he actually put scissors to hair? Yeah, did
1: you show a picture of like Jennifer Aniston? <laughs> <laughs>
2: No, Can you imagine? You know, one time I tried to cut my hair like hers, not realizing or not thinking because I was so young. Oh, no. That my texture of my hair is not Jennifer Aniston's hair. Padia, so, you,
0: you, you tried to cut your own hair?
2: No, 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 no. I went to the lady at the salon and, you know, she's a hustler. So she's like, okay, okay I'll, I'll cut your hair like Jennifer Aniston.
0: Oh, my Knowing God. Knowing
2: full well I have a head full of curly hair. Like, I will never have straight hair. Oh,
0: my God. Um,
2: but no, it, it's, I just put it in a little ponytail and I was like, snip, snip. And then <laughs> when we took it out of the ponytail, one side was longer than the other. Oh my so I was God. like, hmm, what would my hairstylist do right now? And I remembered she always brushes it to the front and tries to like cut it even. So that's what we ended up doing at the end.
0: Um, One of the things that we love about you, Fadia, is your sense of community and um that translates into uh, obviously your work but i think at home you've cultivated this this um this regular thing where you would have people over you would cook for what seems like hundreds of people hundreds of guests who would, who would come over to play cards and and do the hot ones challenge and just hang out for an evening <laughs> how much do you miss that right now
2: Honestly, I miss it so much. We just bought a house and I was so looking forward to like hosting all the homies, you know, like it's an open space. We have a massive backyard and I was just like, just waiting. And then, you know, we bought the house about three weeks before uh, we all had to shelter in place and quarantine. So it's been a little bit disappointing because all I want to do is, again, like, I'm Middle Eastern. I'm very Arab. When I cook, I cook for, like, a family of 50. I don't know how to just cook for two, you know? (laughs) Um, And that's honestly a big reason why we always have people over because I love to cook, but I cook a lot. So it's like, why not just feed the homies a home-cooked meal? So it's been hard, but it's also been such a blessing because, you know, how often in this lifetime do we get an opportunity to just, like, pause and get put on timeout by mother earth or whatever higher being yeah and recalibrate you know and i I feel for a lot of friends like in our industry and creatives that have been either furloughed or let go or due to circumstance um so i'm working that much harder to make sure that if i can't build community at home i'm trying to build community that much more on instagram absolutely well
1: I was gonna start when you said pause. I, I immediately started thinking about uh, your dog, which is named Cat, and your cat that's named Mouse. Mouse and, and, yeah, yeah. And but but I I don't want to go too far down that path. I'd rather talk about how on Instagram you became like we always knew that you were like the go to person. Yes. For us, but it turns out that you're also the go to person for like troubleshooting like sound
0: issues. This is like, I feel like, and correct us if I'm wrong, this is like when our mom calls us for answers on on Instagram, except uh, you have uh, Babyface and Teddy Riley calling you for, for help.
2: Um, I'm assuming you guys heard my voice.
1: We did. By the way, so I recognized it at that moment. And then I was was like, wait, was that Fadia?
0: (laughs) This is like, you know, the two people whose voices we recognized were Dr. Dre calling and Fadia calling.
2: (laughs) You know, what's so funny is that, uh, fun fact, Babyface is like my number one favorite artist of all time. And, you know, I was troubleshooting in real time, so I didn't get to enjoy it like (laughs) everyone else did. Like what is the irony? Like this is the moment I've been looking forward to forever. Oh my god! And I spent it troubleshooting a lot of things, you know. But what's hilarious is when I went on Twitter later on, I legit saw like when I guess everyone heard my voice in the back end talking to Teddy. <laughs> like it, you know how when there's an earthquake in L. A. Everyone goes to Twitter and is like, "Is that an earthquake?" Yes, yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Same thing. Is that Fadia? Is that Fadia? Is that? Oh, that's Fadia's voice. Oh, Fadia's coming to get you, Teddy. It was pretty hilarious. That's
0: because Fadia has the same kind of impact as an earthquake in Los
1: Angeles. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Well, wow, guys. I'm like, can you come manage me if I <laughs> yeah
1: like that should be your poll quote that's right like
2: well I, being, I think that it's you
0: know. it's 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 been such a special uh gathering on a regular basis these versus battles you know I, I you know there was no there was no way to to plan that type of success to begin with well how did you get involved
1: in all of that
2: yeah so i mean you know like you guys said i'm kind of um But what we do on the music side at Instagram, we're a mighty and small team of three. Um, I would say, like, out of the three of us, I'm probably the most external facing just because, like, I have a lot of relationships in the industry. So we've always lent ourselves for best practices and educational purposes, you know. So uh, it's just like more than ever now everyone is just calling because everyone is at home and trying to figure out what to do. And the easiest way to connect with an audience is where? On Instagram. Mm -hmm. Like, every artist, every public figure, every... Us, like, the way I connect with my family and friends is on Instagram, you know? Yeah. So it's only natural that everyone is, like, flocking right now to the one place where they can all connect the dots and, you know, feel, like, a sense of community. You know, be it you're at home alone in a studio in New York or, you know, you're stuck with family or you took a vacation somewhere and now you're really stuck somewhere. Like, the sense of community that Instagram is providing for everyone is key. Um, So it's just, like, natural, like it just became a thing like, oh, I'm an artist. I want to go live. I saw, you know, John Legend do it. Yeah, let me go and like, call Fadia or call Perry or call Marcus and find out how to do this the proper way. And in regards to like, verses, you know, I've been a fan of Swiss forever. And I've worked with him in the past, like he's been by the office, and I provided that educational moment with best practices. Um, and, you know, I, I was a fan of the battles he did three years ago, yeah. if you guys remember. But obviously, we didn't have a live with feature. And he's always been great. And I think Swiss is like such a brand marketing like genius. Mm-hmm. Um. And, you know, the first night that him and Tim went live, like, you saw the struggle. It was real. <laughs> like, they're yeah. Like, uh, how do I do this? Oh, so <laughs> I'm in the background emailing with their respective manager, Gary, who's Timbaland's manager, and an yep. uh, old friend, Daniel Glogler, who put us all on the Yeah, data. yeah. And I'm like, hey, do this and do that. But that's what I do day in, day out. I give best practices. And you see the magic, you know, like, same thing with D Nice. Like, it's a matter of trend forecasting and recognizing that something is bubbling there and making sure, like, We will never take credit for what these creatives are doing. Like, versus is Tim and Swiss beats, you know, D nice is D nice, you know. But at the end of the day, we provided them a platform to create that magical moment. Yeah. And that's what we do is like, here's the, like, let me teach you how to fish and you do your thing. And yeah. that's exactly what they do. Like, they come up with the creative ideas. And there's times where, you know, I'm a creative strategist, like, day in and day out, first and foremost. So, like, there's certain conversations that I'm a part of, but it's not my place. Like, it's not an Instagram thing. It's that artist, it's well, their moment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think. Part of the uh, love that has that has been around all of this is because of its organic nature. You know, uh, when D Nice was spinning and we saw Klep on on Twitter saying, "Yo, this feels like uh, everyone from eight twenty five Worldwide Plaza the is in here." Former Def Jam building, yeah, is, is in here at once. We 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 jumped over there, and it was like you know, saying hi to Young Sav and Steve-O and Latrice and Emmanuel and Shari and all these different people who we were friends with. And that, in the early days of quarantine, felt like a a really great human connection right there. And then to see it gain, you know, uh, momentum and climb, you know, to a hundred thousand at one time and see that, you know, every political candidate was in there that felt really good because it felt organic to be to begin with the same with the versus battles. And I think more and more, it's like the platform is there and the the ones that really win are the ones who start in this true and authentic way.
2: 100 percent. And, you know, you have to also think like at the beginning of the quarantine, like it was a lot of uncertainty you know it was a lot of fear like it was a lot of emotion that was like taking over people and grief and loneliness like right now we've all kind of like a little bit adjusted i think mm-hmm. but in that moment that was one of the few moments i mean even for me that was a really hard week and i remember being in d nice's like you know set before that big saturday set right yeah yeah and i just you know i was in there like you said like talking to my homeboy tyrone and i'm like yo pass me the drink <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. can i come in latrice can i jump in your section it, <laughs> even though you guys know i don't go out right. i haven't been to the club i was a promoter <laughs> for years <laughs> but it was fun to play role like it's uh, a role play sorry and you know i feel like we were just having fun in that moment and it actually made me want to go to the club when all this is done yeah 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 and I think that's what it's all about, is just creating a safe space to, like, make everyone feel like we're all in this together. Like, you can't stun on me. I can't stun on you right now. It's all good. Absolutely. We're all in club quarantine, just, like, having a good time or watching these battles with our favorite artists who are legends. For sure. And they deserve their flowers in real time.
1: Um, Fadia, you were talking about trend forecasting did you at all predict where things would be going with in terms of like uh, demon time in terms of like all these other things that popped up on uh, on Instagram?
2: you know it's only natural I think like the cool thing about you know I mean there's nothing cool about a pandemic let's be clear but the cool thing about challenging times is that it's a moment to again recalibrate, and it's a moment to be creative and to have a renaissance, you know, like the last time we had a major situation happen in the U S was a recession mm-hmm. and what came out of it, you know, you had like platforms like Twitter come out of it, Uber, you know, like Pinterest, like yeah. it was a te- technical, a tech social boom that came out of it, out of a need and a success- necessity. Sorry. Um, so I think like, you know, could I have predicted it? You know yeah (laughs) of course like people are stuck at home they're gonna get creative and quite frankly like you know shout out to like everyone that's having fun and getting creative but do it where you are safe yeah (laughs) yeah and keep in mind like you know it's like we're all gonna go out in the real world after all this is done, so be mindful of what you're doing now. Yeah. Oh, don't
1: worry. I'm gonna I'm gonna hire all of them. <laughs>
3: oh, perfect. Yeah.
0: Um, Fadia, talk about need and necessity. Can we take it back to when you were living down in Atlanta? And you felt a dearth of uh, parties and functions for a certain type of uh, young kid, uh, or not young kid, young adult uh, out there. And you created parties that didn't exist. Um, Can you talk about how you made your mark in in Atlanta probably a decade ago?
2: Yeah, definitely. So um, I started off, not a lot of people know this, but I started off actually in the fashion industry as a stylist. Um, I knew I liked music, but I didn't really have, like, an understanding of career paths in music. So I just was like, okay, I'm a stylist. I went to school for fashion merchandising and visualizing. And um, why can I work with artists as their stylist? So I started working with, like, you know, assisting different stylists that would work with Rihanna and Nas and JLo and a whole bunch of folks. And then I met up with... um, Uh, Bow Wow's mom who had a boutique in Atlanta at the time, and I started working for her, but then met Big Boy's wife and her best friend, Charlita and Tracy, and they had their boutique and they really like, you know, just didn't have a marketing background like I did, even as a young kid. So I just jumped in and started like working in their boutique as their creative director. But at the time, like, I got introduced to some folks who are artists in in Atlanta um, that were pretty underground. But they were, like, kids like me and young adults like me who, like, you know, could go to Stroker's on a Monday, which is – or on a Sunday, sorry, Mm -hmm. which is a strip club. You know go to like magic city on a monday but then be at mjq on a wednesday night
3: mm-hmm. so
2: or be at an art gallery or a charity function later on in the week and there were there wasn't really a scene for like kids that were like dabblers like me like you know other creatives um pre- predominantly black and brown creatives mm-hmm. that could have a safe space to a network and build community and have fun you know So, somehow I got convinced to meet these artists, and I started managing them because, hey, why not? I've never (laughs) been a manager, and who doesn't? You know, like obviously, I'm sadistic like that. And I was like, (laughs) yes, being coach. Um, But you know, in managing a new act in Atlanta that didn't necessarily have a lane at the time, um, I was like, you know what? Oh, you won't book my artist to perform a Smith Soul Bar? Cool! I'm gonna book my own showcase. Mm-hmm. And the first showcase I ever did was with Janelle Monae, Jaspex, my my group called Proton, Grip Pliers. Back in the day, I mean, shout out to all of them. V.O.B. Yeah. was there. Um, and it just kind of like it, it ignited this like you know passion of. Bringing my fashion sense of detail, like trend forecasting from my fashion experience to music, right? And I was like, okay, let me trend forecast who I think has next in the music space and let me book them ahead of time in a secondary market like Atlanta and, like, you know, get them first. And I had the success with, like, you know, with my old partners and shameless plug, BAME, um, Jabari, and Gerald the first show we ever did with shameless plug was Drake's first sold out show that got him booked, you know, all over the country. Pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. Like that was a big show. And uh, actually a lot of people don't know, like we did that show May 2nd, 2009. I was supposed to book him in December and then in February again of that year. And then, you know, 2008, but, he he kept telling us like oh i'm dropping this thing with little wayne's label like let's wait (laughs) and i'm glad that we waited because it created such a like you know moment for him in that time and even down to like j cole and dom kennedy and so many artists that we were trend forecasting like I just got off on the fact of, like, oh, I know about this new artist. And a lot of times I got put on because I had a partner in crime in John Gotti from the smoking section. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. shout out to John. So shout out to John because we – with Gotti, like, we – I started, you know, like, identifying the fact that I'm not getting press pickup because I'm in Atlanta and I'm not politicking with the homies up in New York, like, you know – with the journalists and whatnot but he took a chance on me being in tennessee and he became like our media outlet like honorary media outlet for what we were doing in atlanta and helped curate a lot of those a3c stages and whatnot super super dope
0: and uh, i think another big point and I, i saw you speak about this recently was when you knew that it was the right time to move on from atlanta Mm mm-hmm. um, I think that, you know, it's, it's one thing to build something, but another thing to know that, like, you've done what you can do and you move on to something different.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, it was really hard because when I started Broken Bougie is the name of the party, um, I, I felt like such a sense of like dedication and loyalty to my city and the community that I built because before that like we didn't have a place to go and build that kind of community so I felt like you know I had the weight of the world to make sure I committed to seeing it through but at the same time like I wasn't getting what I needed you know like I was putting in when you start something new you typically either a have investors and capital you know yeah. to do it or You know, like, you just hustle your way to get what you need to get it done. I didn't have that. I didn't have investors. I didn't have capital. And I damn sure wasn't about to hustle on a corner to get anything, you know. So, like, any money that I was, any money coming in, was coming, put, getting put right back into the scene and into building this, like, community in Atlanta. And I think because it was so popping, like, people had this misconception, like, oh, well, Fadi is good, like, she doesn't need anything. But all the while, like, here I am about to get evicted, yeah. you know, like... Like, I was doing things, but I was putting it and dumping it back either into the artists that I was managing or the shows that I was producing or the parties. So, at one point, I just had to be like, okay, Fadia, what about you? Mm -hmm. You know, where do you come in this scenario? Like, everyone else is eating. You know, what are you scared of? Like, it's not a failure. And I had this misconception that if I walked away, you know, it meant that I failed at what I did. But when I finally realized that in that moment, you know, you can create a blueprint, but you might not be the person that eats off of that blueprint. Mm -hmm. It's okay because that's what visionaries do. And trendsetters, that's what we do. Like you create something and you set it off into the world and other people can like, you know, replicate the magic as much as they can, but you go and recreate or do something all new all over again. Absolutely. And and that was, you know, that was really key for me in that moment. Like, I was like, it's okay. Like, you did what you could for the city, but you have to do for you now. And you can do more for the city of Atlanta being in New York.
0: And, you know, this is all part of a book. And that is just one chapter of it. You know, I think that there's a lot of people now who are like, well, but I had this whole thing beforehand. And this global pandemic has you Know, really thrown everything up into the air, but people can regroup. People and it, it might, it may take time, it may take no time, it could be somewhere in between. But people can pivot and people can adapt and people can invent new ways to get themselves moving in a new direction, and that's fine. And that's part of your bigger story, um, Fadia. You know, we were we were scheduled to be in Los Angeles for uh, a month. We were going to be there all through May. We were so looking forward to stopping by your guys' place. And I think it's something to look forward to when all this uh, gets settled. Once there's a vaccine and people travel again, we can't wait to stop by and see you and Mario. Hopefully we can uh, hang out with Kat. Yeah, yeah, house. All, all of that. And uh, in the <laughs> meantime, thank you so much for what you're doing for The broader culture i think it's it's so important for all of us to feel a part of something and uh you have facilitated that you have played such an essential role in that and we thank you and we love you and we appreciate you and uh we'll be calling to check in
2: thank you guys and thank you for your patience with me and everything i mean you guys are like legends and thank you for keeping us laughing and entertained and educated and introducing us to like some of our favorite you know, culture creators and execs and future legends and current legends in the game. Thank so, you, Thank you. Guys.
0: And now, Jeff, we're going to call down to Houston, Texas and get on the phone with the one and only Paul Wall, baby. Paul Wall! What up? What do you do, baby? What's happening? How are you?
4: I'm great. How y'all
0: doing? We're doing all right. First and foremost, how are your family and, and you and everybody getting through these these uncertain days and weeks and months?
4: Man, you know, I was always taught. My mama always told me, don't complain no matter what's going on. Find the good in the situation and survive, make it through every situation. I don't know if it's just because of you know certain aspects of my childhood I had to deal with. That's just the mentality. You know, we had... But, you know, with all is going on, man, I re- you know—it's really hard for me to focus on the bad, just because I see so much negativity going around. You know, with, with so many people dying, so yeah. many people losing their lives. Yeah. You know, or and losing their life—not just dying, but the life as they knew it. And you know, while wow, they're the still here, are, yeah. Right. You know, so being it, I don't have it. Nobody in my family has it. That's a you blessing. Know, I, 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 yeah, it's a huge blessing. Now, true enough, I'm missing out on a lot of money. And, you know, my life has changed, too. My kids' lives have changed. My son had a—he turned 14 while we was on quarantine. Mm. You know, so I had a birthday during quarantine, too. Although, you know, I'm, I don't celebrate my birthdays as much. But still, the, the whole thing, man, it's like, man, it's a, you got to count your blessings, man. Just be
0: grateful Absolutely. what we do have. Absolutely. So let's talk about uh a little bit of, of silver lining here, which is that you partnered up with the Houston Astros and Mattress Mac. I know you're raising money for the Houston Food Bank. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
4: Yes, sir. Yeah, man. Shout out to my boy Alex Bregman from the Houston Astros. He yeah. came with the idea. He said, Hey man, let's uh He said, Hey, let's let's uh let's raise some money. Let's raise some money for the uh for the food bank. Every dollar provides three meals, you know, and um if you text feed F E E D H O U to four one four four four. Now, it'll send a link to your phone and you can donate as little as five dollars and five dollars is 15 meals right there so you know every dollar really do count man so big shout out to the Houston food bank all the food banks out there man they do good year-round man thank you thank that's, you for what you do
0: that's super super dope um we want to take it back to uh to one of our favorite eras that that 2004 2005 Houston sound that that culture that really shifted everything in hip-hop um you know, we're from New York. It meant a lot to hear you on like what you've been sipping on with Jim Jones and 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 Puffy. You know, it it's such a regional thing down there in Houston. Obviously, shout out to UGK for for setting it off. But but for for all you guys to to go national back then when when MTV was visiting with like my block and all that. How did it feel to be on a on a bigger, more uh, countrywide
1: level?
4: It felt amazing. It was unbelievable to me. It was something that I didn't, you know, was possible. You know, not only that I could make it, but that people I knew and grew up with could be a success. So it was completely unbelievable, a dream, a dream come true, prayers answered. You know, that's that's still the mentality, still how I feel to this day. It just, man, I'm being, I'm just grateful for uh, God blessing me, man, because this is what I prayed for, work hard for, still to this day. So, you know, uh, to to be able to do it on a, a major scale like that, and especially with people that I, I know and love, admire, grew up with, friends, you know, to be able to do it like that, it's like, you know, it's almost like uh, John ja Morant and Zion going to the NBA together. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The only difference is we got to play on the same team. <laughs> yeah. Know, well, at least for the most part, you know what I'm saying?
1: But, yeah. Well, what did it like? Was it a bigger deal? To get still tipping or to get grills, like like what felt like more, what felt huge to you?
4: It's uh it's it's difficult to say. I think um, still tipping brought that unity, and um, uh, you know, because it had me, Slim Thug, and Mike Jones on it, and it was such a huge song, and it just launched all three of our careers on a national world, or international scale. So still tipping for sure was huge, uh, but at the same time grills being that I sell grills as well and I'm known for wearing grills and just known for grills, the grills, I think the grills really took it to just the next stage. Also, that grills was, I, you know, doing it with Nelly Jermaine Dupree, you know, there's those some my hard years right there, so you know what I'm saying? They, they definitely took it to a, a huge level that, for my career. It was like a, a, a promotion. It was a, a, just a, like a commercial for our <laughs> grills.
0: No question. Because not
4: only... It, Nelly... Nelly Put me on the song it just complete. now i already was known but it just completely co-signed me on another scale on in you know just in the world not just in the rap world but in the world yeah and so you know i, I gotta say the grills it really elevated me a little bit more
0: well what'd you think when you heard uh you know sycamore mixtapes with tv johnny as one of the guys doing the you know the co-hosting
4: oh yeah i love that man i love that i uh we used to we used to always get Johnny to do drops just anyway anyway so we we'd be on the road or somewhere and Johnny would be with me you know it's my boy yeah he kind of he he would kind of be like my my sidekick kind of you know like <laughs> you know. You know, but it's my business partner anyway, and we're making grills, so it's just a tag team, you know, of me meeting people, knowing people, and then introducing them to Johnny. Johnny, here, take care of them. Let's get their grill, and then from there, Johnny take handling all the jewelry aspects. So, and Johnny got a great personality. Oh, yeah. We love Johnny. So, you know, we'd we'd always get him to, and he got a a, a thick, a real thick Vietnamese accent. Yeah. But he's he's Houston to the core as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we get him to do drops. And, you know, it's it's kind of, it, man, he's crazy, man. Cause he'll, <laughs> he'll, he'll, he'll always say some stuff, and, you know, he's he's funny. He got a great personality, and you can hear that through his drops. And, uh, man, yeah, man, hey, shout out to my boy TV Johnny. Well,
1: actually, how did you meet Johnny?
4: I met Johnny being that I wanted to buy grills. And uh, the cheapest way I could get a grill at the time, being that I was 17, <laughs> was, was to go work for the person that sold them. And the, the guy that sold them came down from New York, my boy Crime. He came down and was selling them just out of different stores, kind of selling them out the trunk, hustling them on the streets. And I, I worked for him doing street promotions. And then uh, eventually he took me and introduced me to Johnny. He was like, hey, I'm going uh, to change your life. I'm going to introduce you to the man. And he me up with Johnny, who was actually making the grills. We were just kind of wholesale salesmen. Uh, you know, but Johnny was actually making them, casting the gold, setting the diamonds, you know, buffing, and polish, clean, all that kind of stuff. So, teaming up with Johnny, uh, you know, it was a, the way I could get my grills the cheapest. <laughs> and, then, and and I, I saw a real uh, deficit in the market just because most of the people that sold grills at the time, they didn't really care about the customer. They were just trying to make a dollar. Right, you know? yeah. So, I came in with a different approach. I came in with a a customer appreciation approach. You know, taking care of the customer, giving them a you know good business, yeah. making sure they're happy. Even if there's an error or something wrong, even if it's an accident or if it's not even my fault, still making sure the customer's right, mm-hmm. making sure the customer's happy, so that they'll come back. They'll get a new grill next time. They'll eventually bring their kids in. They'll get their you know they're gonna come get their mama and they they. They wife and their daughter you know mother's day presents, birthday presents, valentine's presents over at the jury stop so you know it's just a, a building a good rapport with the customer you uh, know it, it it worked it paid off um, yeah yeah it worked
0: yo paul uh here's probably the most important question everyone's masked up these days with uh with the virus out there are you still wearing your grills underneath the mask
4: yes sir hey <laughs> We've been trying to find some, like, clear mass so I could you know what I'm saying? So oh, that'd be I, hard. <laughs> we, we, we found some, but they're not exactly the safest of uh, masks. So we like, okay. So I've been just doubling up on masks, man. I got, you know, I got a, you know, we, and we got some, we got some printed masks. that got our grills printed on the outside of them, too.
1: That's dope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just got to make sure that they're not, like, the clear Nikes that's like, you know, you can see, like, the toes through them. And you're just like, oh, ah, yeah. you know. <laughs> yep. Yo. Paul, when you think about your entire career, is there a piece of like
0: merchandise or some kind of promo item that sticks out to you? Because for us, our friend Ashley Kamenowitz, who works at Atlantic Records to this day has one of your bobbleheads in her office and that is like the greatest thing ever. Do you have a piece of merch or or a promo item that really sticks out to you?
4: Yeah, I I for sure probably say the bobblehead just because to this day there's a lot of people who still got them in their office. And I I got a few left. I, I just found in my storage. I seen like a a box or two of them. So I got like probably like ten or fifteen of them left. And I just be like, damn, I don't never want to sell them. Cause I'm yeah. like, damn, I'm gonna get rid of them. I ain't gonna wear a hat no more. So, <laughs> I don't know. We I've been thinking about trying, you know, getting a pop figure made or just going another step and uh, getting. I, I don't know. there's a uh, there's a, a sculptor. I think he's from New York. He makes these uh uh these like desk sculptures of, he's got a, a few different ones, he got one of Sean Price uh, Oh yeah, 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 Ron. yeah Yeah, he's hard He got, man, so I've been thinking about doing something like that, but you know, he, he does his art by hand, and they, they're, they're pretty expensive, they're like $250, so, you know with that, it's more of a piece of art than it is uh, commerce, just to make a profit and a, a lot of times, that's what it is you know, it's not necessarily about making money, it's about putting something out there that's a piece of that's a piece of art that people can enjoy and, and it lasts. A, yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: Uh Paul, what was your first time in New York like?
4: My first time in New York was surreal. Um like a lot of people, you know, the Big Apple, the biggest city you know in the world, you know, maybe maybe not officially but it is you yeah, know, by, yeah 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 you know the mecca of the world so to be there especially for america especially to be at the birthplace of hip-hop all of those things like man there's so much respect admiration i have for the city so many of my favorite artists are from there favorite athletes just you know just all of those things and, and that's the kind of the feeling that we would get when we travel around the country but of course new york is a New York is definitely one of a kind of city. I remember the first time we went to, it was uh, me and Chameleon there was signed to Payton Full Records. That was a, a local label out of Houston, and we had a uh, a, a we had a, a couple of deal offers. That most of them were kind of BS, but the, uh, we had one from Epic and Sony, and they had um, flew us up there. We had a went to meet with them. The deal didn't work out. But I remember just to give you the era of the time, this was right when Wankster first came out. Oh my God. Wankster. Wow. So this was 50 Cent Wankster just came out on yeah. the radio in New York. This, You know, so because I remember them playing it and they like brand new 50 Cent, you know, like <laughs> crazy just came out. So that was our first time in New York and it was like, you know, I felt like a uh, a kid going to the airport with a mama and. and they, <laughs> And your mama went to the bathroom, and you just standing there, like waiting for your mama to come back. Like, what do I do? What do I, that, that's how I felt. It was like I felt lost, but I was like in amazement. I was just, you know, watching everybody, looking at everybody. You know, I'm, I'm observing too. So I like looking at people and, you know, laughing or being curious. Or whatever. <laughs> man it was a it was a great time though man i, I love going to new york man it, it's definitely its own vibe man the, the people in new york are one of a kind man shout out to new york
0: yeah um when you think about uh your time with uh todd moskowitz and, and joey ie what can you say about those guys
4: man those guys know what they're doing they man they took they for man they took me to a, oh my god to another level like the doors they opened for me. Joy I E introduced me to so many artists. Mm. Dipset, Fat Joe, Diddy. Oh my God, Khaled. Art. Yeah, Khaled. Man, I can't even. Matter of fact, on on the song with Khaled, I gave Joy, I gave him a shout out. Joy Yeah, I we that.
0: I love that. We love yeah. that so much.
4: But I, I think he got a little flack for that. Then, <laughs> I, we, we tried to put him in the video too. And you know, some people were like, wait a minute, what you doing? Why are you trying to be all up in the video? Why you, <laughs> like, 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 did you tell him to do that? But he didn't tell me to do that. I, you know, I'm just trying to shout him mind, show him, that was, man, that was, that's still my boy to this day. Yo, I don't talk s- to him.
0: Paul, like stra- straight up, straight up, like when we were new to the business back in like 2007, 2008, we went to SOBs here in New York, right? And Joey walked up to us, and we only knew who he was from that Holla at Me video.
4: That's dope. It was hey, so man, crazy. Dope.
0: It was so awesome. Um,
4: hey, Todd as well, man. Todd is a... Both of them, they have different personalities, so I would be with them in, in different, you know, experiences. It would be different things. I remember, I remember one time we was in the studio. And we were, we were sitting served. We were trying to get Todd to drink some was, he, he didn't want to. He was like, nah, nah, I don't want to. I don't want to. He was curious about it too. Like, yeah, y'all are really just sitting there drinking comp medicine. What are y'all doing? You know, like, like, hey, come on, I'm with Jason. He's like, nah, nah, I'm good. I'm good.
0: Um, can you talk about uh, a person who means so much to you and so much to us in our career and everything? Uh, the legend, Bun B.
4: Oh, man. Bun B, for sure. He's the, you know, he, he was like, most most of the artists of our era Like in Houston Or, or just not even Houston, Texas But for sure Houston He was the big bro to everybody I mean, he kind of was the big bro to everybody in the South You know, a mentor to everybody Man, really, that's really how it is He, he was a mentor to everybody in the South That came out in a certain era He was the go-to person That you get him on a verse And he'd kill it yeah, you always hear him that's one thing that always stood out to me too is that bumby his features if it's a feature in bumby he was gonna kill it. yeah <laughs> and, that, and that that to me was something that you know it, it motivated me like man that's how i want to be perceived when it's a feature in power oh you about you gonna click hey, we we'll see what he talking about i know you gonna kill it and then kill it. And
0: something and you know something. what? You know what? On that, on like, when Bun and Static got together and they did Trill Static maybe like six months ago, seven, eight months ago, something like that. And then they put out the deluxe version and you showed up on that song, Jon Snow. You fucking destroyed that.
4: Man, thank you, man. Yes, sir. Shit, I got to give that credit to uh, Static, though, because, boy, Static will bring it out you, man. Boy, them beats he got, God. Yeah,
0: Jesus. man. Um, that
4: aura that aura he got, boy, he's gonna bring it out you man. But absolutely Bum oh, man, man. Shout out to Bum B, man. A big that's a
0: big homie. Yo, what can you tell us about obviously we saw that you put out that that new single, So Trill with with Lil Kiki and Slim Thug, and and uh shout out to Slim Thug, by the way, another guy that we know him for a long time who uh, you know, glad that he's doing better through all of this. Um, but we know this is off that album Slab Talk coming out that you and Kiki got. Tell us about that.
4: Lil' Kiki's somebody, you know. He, he's my favorite rapper. Always has been since I first heard rap. You know, to to me, growing up in Houston, he was my Big Daddy Kane or Rakim. Hmm. You know, this is how we were introduced to hip hop was through the Screw Tape and through Lil' Kiki. So he was all he always has been. You know, the the leader of the culture. You know, the and my and my personal favorite. Um, so to work with him like I have in the past. It mean a lot But especially on this Because it's this a full-length album This is our first time Doing an album together So, you know It's something We we, we had the, the idea Several years ago And we just wait till the time was right And we started working on it Seriously Like, you know Around 2018 And then 2019 We started Really going in And then we, When we got to the end We were like Okay, let's put a plan together How can we Because, you know Today's day and age With music There's not a lot of marketing Long-term pre-marketing It's yeah. all post You just you throw it up And then you, mar- you market it after you put it out But we wanted to We said you know With this one Let's build up A little hype With this one Let's let's kind of Take it back To the older model Of doing things You know Where you put it You know Months out And you promote it For months Because at the same time We had side, we had other projects We were releasing In the meantime So it was like You know I released my project He released his project And we just start Promoting our group project And then as time Go on We start getting A little more And more serious With it uh, But you know it's, It comes out June 6th It's called Slab Talk and uh, this, we don't really have any features on there other than Slim Thug and Big Pokey mm. those are basically the only ones um, we really just wanted to keep it me and Kiki on this one so yeah man
0: well listen like Break em Off still gets spin up here like for us in this house we play that all the time man
4: yes uh, sir yes, uh,
0: listen Paul we love you take care of yourself you and yours down there congratulations on everything when this is all over I hope we can sit with you down for like a, a full hour and a half episode you, you know we know you got all the stories down there and, and all the personality we appreciate you thanks for everything you've done and uh and be well
4: yes sir likewise thank you for having me man god bless y'all man see y'all soon
0: and now jeff let's call over to brooklyn and finally get on the phone with our friend ben dietrich
5: yo ben what up what's going on guys
0: what's happening how
5: are you um i'm pretty good i mean i i feel like there are a lot of people who are dealing with very tough times and in perilous situations so if being bored and sick of hanging out indoors is the worst that we have to put up with like I'm I'm willing to say everything is all good
0: absolutely and uh totally agreed so we will see you at the protest march tomorrow right we're going we're going to the state house (laughs) yes let's go um bring your pitchfork Ben. Ben
1: You've worked in rap, you've worked in sports, you've worked in New York nightlife. And I think that your chronicles of New York at night have been like some of my favorite pieces to read. I was wondering what you think about New York being shut down now. I mean, obviously not good, but for New York City, is there anything good that can possibly come out of this?
5: Yeah, it's so hard to say because the cynical side is that this is an accelerant for everything bad (laughs) you know that's just like my natural cynicism but there's this little kernel of of optimist that says maybe this changes new york and makes it better maybe we can be a cooler more humane place okay open up the streets to pedestrians and sidewalk el fresco dining let's have open container rules taken away let's legalize marijuana all those offices that were in in manhattan that no one wants anymore maybe those can become, you know, interesting places. They could become a nightclub, but, you know, I'm I'm speaking about this in terms of, like, coronavirus is is curtailed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. And, you know, and and I I do have that idea, like, what if we could say, get rid of Amazon? What if we can get rid of Seamless? This, like, utopian idea of, like, New York is the new Berlin. But the reality is probably, like, people, you know, uh, still get... The little guys will go out of business. Stuff will get bought. Right. More condos will get built. Yeah. But specifically, in terms of nightlife, you know, I, I I do think we had reached a a really dead period prior to this, where Manhattan was too expensive. People are too spread out throughout Brooklyn to like easily get into sort of downtown New York mm-hmm. uh, at a, on a regular basis. Like back in the day, everyone hung out like beneath 14th street and you'd go party to party to party. Yeah. And now it's like kind of the LAS where there might be something in Gowanus, there might be something in Greenpoint, there might be something in Bushwick, there might be something in Ridgewood, there might be something in Tribeca and it's really hard to kind of, you know, have a circuit when it's like that. So yeah. I, I, I would like to see Manhattan come back and maybe if now the culture is shifting towards working from home and we've seen that commercial Uh, Rents are not necessarily feasible for some companies, maybe we'll start having opportunities for for venues, for music, for nightlife, for parties in Manhattan again.
0: Well, so we're on the Upper West Side, as you know. You're down in Brooklyn. Uh, Everything is localized at this point, and no one's taking the trains. No one's really veering outside too much. When you do make it out in Brooklyn, is there a sense that, and I, I know that Brooklyn is, you know, uh gentrified and and that that's well known. Yeah, ben was the gentrifier. But, but 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 do you find that any local businesses are are making the effort to stay open and people are making the effort to go into those places to keep this type of Brooklyn still alive?
5: I I've seen and this is in like the north Brooklyn area. I've seen you know some like slice spots stay open which I'm like that's great. Like, that is a a little bit of normalcy that is highly appreciated. The ability to walk over and grab a slice in a square and walk home. You're like, almost normal on a nice day. Yeah. And I've noticed uh, some bars, at least, are doing, you know, kind of curbside, where you walk up to a window, they'll pour you a beer or make a cocktail, and you can, like, walk around with it. And I think the nice little pleasures that not only you can see a place that's trying to stay alive and not just fold completely, but also make this... A less sort of stressful and hostile time yeah but you know I, I really do have a lot of concern that maybe I didn't initially about the survival rate for places that we really like mm-hmm, you know yeah. when we thought this would be a month I was like I think I think we can handle that a month a month makes sense but you know you're hearing about more and more places whether it's Lucky Strike or some places around me in Brooklyn or places in, in Manhattan that owners are really second-guessing whether it's worth the trouble of, of of trying to reopen again, yeah. whether it's worth re-upping leases, etc. So i I think the prognosis is kind of grim, to be honest. Yeah. yeah,
1: you know, everybody saw the pictures of the West Village uh, that came out this weekend and how packed those parks were. I was wondering what it's like in Williamsburg. Like, what is the energy like over there? Are there people out? Like, what what does it look like?
5: It, you know, it's it, I definitely going through like Greenpoint and Williamsburg and, and other parts of Brooklyn, um, South side on nice days, you certainly see people out. And I know that, you know, you get that telephoto lens, you get your, your scolding shame photo up on Twitter. <laughs> you know, you get a lot of interaction off of like, Oh my God, there are so many people in the park. I think 99% of people are, are, are doing a good job. There are certainly some individuals who are maybe not social distancing like they should be. And, you know, they could do better. But overall, I think people are doing a good job. It is weird, though, because the only time you really see people is like jogging around. And then on those nice moments where the sun is out and people like go to find a small patch of of, uh, <laughs> of sod. Yeah, to sit yeah. <laughs> one. Like, you know, and, and I've heard about parties that are still going on. That's not something I'm, I'm into right now. Like, I know it's still happening. People are throwing house parties right. and stuff like that, but I think it's a, a very, very small sliver of the population. I, 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 I just want to defend New York overall, and <laughs> and I, I think it's unfair that a photo of like a, a group of people in a park becomes like emblematic of like New Yorkers ignoring the coronavirus. I, I the streets are empty all the time, man.
0: Uh, considering every Sunday night that we all watch, and by we all I mean the entire world watches the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance. Do you feel, especially in uh, this weekend's uh, episodes, that maybe in retrospect, Patrick Ewing has gotten a bad rap?
5: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's the same way that if you look at the way Michael Jordan has been interpreted by younger generations as a guy who sold sneakers, a guy... Who was the face of a crying Jordan? <laughs> Ewing is kind of now viewed as a loser, and I do feel as if the boomer narratives that have changed the way that people think about Patrick Ewing and Charles Barkley, guys who did not win a championship, has kind of poisoned the greatness of some of these guys. You know, looking back at how Ewing performed in that 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 series, I had to refresh it myself in my mind. I'm like. Sure, Patrick Ewing shat the bed. No, <laughs> no, he balled out. He was fantastic. Yeah. Now, I... the Knicks did jack shit. Was like, <laughs> Ewing was great. Average like 25 and 11, two blocks, two steals, 53% from the floor. Like, come on, give this workhorse some respect. The Knicks had a fantastic defense, which he anchored. And he was their only scoring option. That guy, like, carried the Knicks. Like, give him his props.
0: Absolutely. So, considering that if if we put you aside as a Patrick Ewing defender and we put, like, (laughs) Jeff Van Gundy aside, because you know he's always going to ride for for Pat, uh, I would expect that someone like Charles Oakley would, would sort of, like, run to his defense. But meanwhile... Charles is out here, and uh, in the
1: documentary.
0: No, well, not, yeah. Charles. Charles for like the last year has sort of had some like issues with with Patrick Ewing, and it's been playing out in the media. I would think that like Oak would be there, but apparently not so much.
5: Well, Oak is Michael Jordan's best friend.
0: They, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
5: <laughs> you know, so his loyalties here once Dolan stopped letting him come to the garden. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, who's buttering his bread? All right, it's MJ. <laughs> uh, you know, like I, Oak, it, you know, an excellent player, Nick for life, all those, those, those things that go along with being a member of the 90s Knicks. Yeah, I would say he's team Jordan at this point. He's, he's not really team Hubert Davis, I guess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing that a lot of people have not been talking about that we've lost, you know, given this pop culture and sports and entertainment uh, pause has been March Madness. And you as a uh, as a upstate New York guy, as a Syracuse Orange and Orangeman fan, uh, how do you feel about uh, people's college careers ending without a real March Madness? How do you feel about
1: like, you know, well, what does it mean for for the dra- I mean, like everything moving forward?
5: Well, as someone who is a Syracuse fan and grew up loving the Orange back when they were, you know, the the since canceled Orange men. Yes. You know, I I do have a, a soft spot for like the old school Big East, but a lot of that has eroded due to my distrust of the ncaa sure so anything that hurts them at this point is kind of okay by <laughs> me like ooh, no tournament that's that's uh it's arduous to feast your eyes upon so like i i think the nba is definitely snaking them a bit here by saying oh by the way we'll pay guys like five hundred thousand dollars to play in the in the g league yeah yeah and the ncaa is like i thought we had a deal <laughs> but, you know like if we're putting this in 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 Different terms, the NBA ran off on the plug. Well,
0: is there any part of you that uh, bought into the big three?
5: Not really. But as long as it keeps those guys playing basketball and not announcing, I'm I'm with it. (laughs) Well, who who then
0: would be your worst case scenario announcer uh, for for a player that had like just retired and was sort of like dabbling with the idea of, of getting on television? Marv Albert. <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, I, for me, I think the announcers that parrot previous generations are the most grating because, you know, you see someone like Kendrick Perkins. He's like an entertaining guy, but he's almost like Boomer cosplaying. Right. You know, he just left the NBA and he's there like Draymond, for disrespect, Charles Barkley. I'm like, no, no, defend your own generation. There's enough guys from the 90s who are, you know, gung-ho about defending their own era. Like Kendrick, tell people that Draymond is better than Charles. So, like, my my nightmare are all these guys getting sort of pigeonholed as old school tough guys. I want someone who comes in and is like a J.R. Smith. Who's like, Mm. nah, then The young guys, shooting threes, you know, showmanship yeah (laughs) just appreciate the modern game for being exciting or at least offer a counterpoint to the idea that the 90s like the end-all be-all of basketball
0: well so so i think about like guys who may be sort of on the younger end like let's let's take out like the reggie millers and let's take out the chris webbers when you think of someone who was like on the younger end and joined media and not necessarily like his own actions but sort of his own actions is jason williams right so he's carved out he's 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 carved out that lane where he's a younger guy who sort of understands the younger generation um, what do you think of Jason Williams as opposed to guys like Chris Webber and and Reggie Miller and did you have any feeling when you saw the other Jason Williams J-A-Y-S-O-N uh, in last night's episode of The Last Dance
5: right I was, I was trying to get to which of the three Jason Williams are we discussing <laughs> <laughs> well right so the one who was an, an originally drafted by Duke after uh, excuse me who was drafted by the Bulls, Bulls after yeah. playing at Duke, and is now an announcer. I think he tends to to veer sort of retrograde as well. You know, I can't say I'm totally familiar with the nuances of his opinions, but I've seen enough kind of float around Twitter where I, I think he also is a guy who's a little, a little like uh, a little boomer poisoned. Mm-hmm. And and I feel bad for guys like Chuck because you know Chuck has to sit there and argue with Draymond where Draymond's talking about rings, and and Chuck almost seems to have internalized that. Mm -hmm. He was an incredible player, so great, and he doesn't really seem to put himself in the same category as guys who won championships. He's like humbled himself because he didn't get a ring. I'm like, Barkley, you are a beast, Yeah, like Ewing was. But isn't that um, sort
1: of the same argument that goes into music as well, where it's like first-week numbers have become the more – interesting uh uh you know argument for a lot of people whereas it really should be more about how long-lasting stuff is
5: yeah i, I mean
1: or is think, that a bad analogy i don't even know
5: well i think we're we're looking for metrics right that are just not complicated yeah we don't want to look at real like metrics and get in the get in the mud with like you know like i don't know whatever you do, you do is like bpm or right. or Like, you know, we're just trying to find something that's like, hey, six rings. Here are the sound scan numbers. Here's how many YouTube plays it had. We're just clutching at something so we can make an argument that, like, five is more than two or something.
1: Ben, you are the first person who really put French Montana on my radar. (laughs) Which was like very early on, and I'm so appreciative of that because I I became uh, French's biggest fan. I wondered what your perspective was in all of this French versus uh, Kendrick Lamar sort of back and forth that was happening the past month.
5: I I mean, look, Kendrick is obviously a a gifted rapper. He approaches music with a craft that is, is foreign to what French does. But are we really saying that he's got more hits than French?
1: Like, no. See, this is no. exactly... Like, By the way, like, like, this I'm is sort me. of the same argument we were just talking about. I but know, yeah. I fuck with it.
5: For me, you know, he also has these, like, little little cheat codes where... Was work his song? No, but he's on the remix. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a bunch of those records, like with Bobby Schmerta not his record, on the remix. <laughs> you know, if we're doing the beat battle style, he's got a, a strong... Like, hit after hit after hit, you know? Put Chopper down up there. And, yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah, I'll take that against, like, 90% of Kendrick's catalog, and that's a song that probably a lot of people don't even know.
1: Well, I mean, it, it, it's just songs that I would rather listen to, like, 100% of the time. But, um, Ben, we first met you when you were really working with XL. when you were, like, traveling around the country. Um, you were going to, like, Rick Ross's house. I wonder if you have a, a particularly good uh, rap journalism story.
5: Um, Well, one that was kind of interesting, I remember uh, interviewing Ki, And we were in Atlanta and it was late at night in his studio. Um, I want to say it was like somewhere in like an industrial bankhead area. And he was so polished and smart and charming that I was just getting nothing. (laughs) (laughs) He was so great. And like I had to (laughs) accuse him of snitching. Not because I necessarily was like you're a snitch. I'm like I just have to get under his skin a bit. <laughs> so I was like, I said it in like as as respectful a way as I could, <laughs> and he went on a rant. And he stood up and he was like marching around like you know foghorn leghorn. <laughs> and he gave me all my good quotes <laughs> <in the> next, <laughs> like in the next minute and a half. so like it was like I think that was a good one where you're like sometimes you just kind of have to like be antagonistic to get your to get the good material because these guys are are really excellent interviews they're smart they can outthink you if you play by if you play by the rules sometimes you have to get in the mud a little bit yeah. well from
0: getting into the mud to mud slinging would you be down for a 50 cent jaw rule versus i don't know
5: if there still beef with like murder inc henchmen <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah you know people who from you know alleged reports try to murder 50 cents <laughs> like, yeah um, if, if it's all, like, music, then yeah, hell yeah. I, I don't really know how Ja wins <laughs> against 50 Cent I think today. that Ja
1: would win just by it happening. Like, I think that that's, like, that would be his, his win, you know? Like, just to even be, like, on the <laughs> same level. Because 50 as a cultural icon is so much bigger that it's almost just, like, why is he even bothering with Ja Rule, who is such a, a footnote in everything, you know, other than like Firefest. Like like well, that was his only <laughs> that was his only thing, like, and I was like two years ago, you know
5: Do you guys think 50 is, is a bit underappreciated right now? This talk of Patrick Ewing is making me think of, of of 50 in that way like, not that he's viewed as like a choker or anything, like no, he's, he's but, a but
1: yeah, absolutely, even if we're just talking about music. Oh, I think he's underrated, but I also think he's done so many things that he's like, self-inflicted o- upon his legacy, that it's in the same way that like Eminem, you know, like it's Eminem was so big and so great for a moment, but because of all the stuff that's come afterwards, it's like, well, yeah, but like if he had stopped, you know, uh, 15 years ago, then it would have been like amazing.
5: Yeah. And someone like Ice Cube too, part of it's just generational. The the When you're elevated to superstardom and then that group ages out, then how does the next generation know you?
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, like even with Jay-Z, Jay-Z has like up and down periods too, right? Like everybody hated him during the the period where, um, where Magna Carta, Holy Grail went to your Samsung phone. And then like, you know, the next album, it's like, oh, well, we love Jay and we've never not liked Jay. You right. know, like I think that everybody has sort of like periods. It's just like <laughs> people get used to Ice Cube, people get used to 50 and they, they sort of need to switch things up to to win people back again or to like, to remind, like you sort of need a documentary in the same way that like Jordan needed this documentary to become more than the crying meme face. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Yeah, I mean, cube was like the baddest man on the planet. He was, he was controversial. He was scary. He, from a rap perspective, he was great. Yeah. Yeah. He was arguably the best rapper out making the best albums and scaring mainstream society the most.
1: Yeah. But now he's, are we there yet? You know,
5: now he's the big three. Yeah, yeah exactly right.
0: <laughs> ben, uh, listen, uh, take care of yourself over there. Take care of your uh, surroundings, you and yours. Uh, we love you. Uh, stay creative. Stay uh, stay engaged. And, uh, and we'll be checking in on you.
5: Thanks, man. I appreciate um, you guys giving me a, a buzz. And, you know, look, we're all in this together. Whatever the various experts say, all we can do is just, you know, wait inside until the Playboy Cardi album drops.
0: <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Ben Dietrich, shout out to Paul Wall, and shout out to Fadia Cater. Jeff, are we back tomorrow? We are back every day forever. As always, guys, not for real, for real. Sure, sure. We'll see you guys tomorrow. <laughs>